been known to say that happiness is a long content runway. Compared to running week to week, racing to try and find people to talk to, or scripting episodes at the last minute, having a nice editorial calendar filled with content weeks or even months in advance is downright relaxing. But creating that content before you need it isn't always the easiest task. We've all got businesses to run. And it's especially true if your podcast includes guests. You might find yourself sometimes wondering who to talk to, how to find them, how to reach out and get them to agree to join you. Everyone's busy after all. I found that most people most of the time are pretty willing to join you for a podcast episode. And it's always flattering to be asked as long as a little research has been done and the ask is well constructed. And that's exactly what we're talking about today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. While not every podcast has or needs guests, a whole lot of them do. Guests can be a part of the strategy for any of the Business Podcast Blueprints that you might be using, and we're going to go into some detail about how to select the guests for each type of podcast that we recommend people create. Although something fun you might want to consider, a little strategy for promotion that can double as networking if you don't have guests on your show itself, is to send specific episodes to specific people that you think will find it valuable and use that as a relationship-building touchpoint instead of including guests in the content itself. For audience-building shows where you might want to be bringing new insight, ideas, and information to your existing audience, there are lots of experts out there who are excited to share what they know. Guests can be important. In thought leadership shows, you might have guests where you and a fellow expert are talking about your areas of expertise. But do remember that it's not creating thought leadership if you're not including your own IP. So these guest conversations are going to be a lot more conversational and less interview heavy. Relationship building shows absolutely have to have guests or you're not really achieving the purpose. And content shows, of course, can be anything and everything, guests included. So now let's look at what type of guests you might have for each of the blueprint types. So let's talk about the relationship building podcast. The main goal of these is to build relationships, and that means you're almost always going to have guests on them. Perfect guest for this kind of podcast, for this blueprint, is someone who meets one or more of the following criteria. They would make a good client. They're a colleague you'd like to know better. They work in a complementary industry or have an audience that is similar to yours. They're someone you'd like to make referrals to. Maybe they're great at something your clients also need that your company doesn't provide. Maybe they're a thought leader in your space. They're popular already with your audience. Or they're someone you think deserves more interest and attention. Those are all good reasons to have someone as a guest on an audience building show. Now let's talk about the audience engagement podcast. Of course, the main goal of an audience engagement podcast is to connect with the audience that you already have who wants content from you. This is a podcast type where you're not always going to have a guest. Sometimes your audience just needs you. But if you do want to have guests on this type of show, you'll want someone who has information your audience needs that you can't provide, is in a complimentary business likely to be valuable to your audience, or someone you have a collaborative relationship with where you help them and they help you and you're generally good professional friends. Moving on to thought leadership podcasts, remember these are shows that are designed to establish you as a thought leader. Like in audience engagement podcasts, these don't always need to have guests, but if you do have them, they should be at your professional level or higher someone with whom you can have an equal conversation where you're both contributing to the ideas being shared, and someone who can provide new insight and nuance to your shared topic area to generally extend the reach of the conversations that you're having for your audience. Now, finally, we'll look at content podcasts. These are really and truly any podcast that you create is going to create content, but there are some shows that exist primarily to develop that content for areas of the business, and those can have guests or not as you choose. Guests on a content podcast can be absolutely anyone that's interesting to you and your audience. There's really no limit with a content podcast since the ultimate goal is to generate material for your company, your blog, your socials, anything else that you need content for. 
So live wild. That's just kind of a high-level rule of thumb checklist for each of the business podcast blueprints that you can use to help you decide who you might want to invite as a guest. Now, if you don't already have a mental list of potential guests, figuring out how to try and find the people who meet these criteria can be a little bit challenging, but here are some strategies you can try to build out that list of to invite people. First and foremost, shake your network tree. Ask your colleagues, friends, family, anyone you know already who might be a good podcast guest, especially if you're newer at podcasting and you want to practice with someone you already have a relationship with, this can be a great way to get the ball rolling. And you can also ask all of these people if they know anyone who would be a good fit to be on your podcast and ask them accordingly. You can ask your audience who they would like to hear from to build out your list. You can listen to other podcasts in your niche and mine their guest lists for people who would be a good fit for your own show. Check out your bookshelf. Authors are often enthusiastic podcast guests, and a book that is valuable to your audience almost certainly has an author that's going to be as well. And finally, look at your social media feeds. Who's creating content that you like and find valuable? That can be another really great source of guests for your own show. Now that you have a general idea of who you want to talk to, and hopefully this is a list that you're going to keep maybe in your episode guide and continue building as you go and meet more people. Whenever you're interviewing someone on your podcast, either in the preamble or after you're done recording or during the conversation itself, ask for recommendations for who might be a good guest and preferably even an introduction to people they know who might be a good fit for your show. So now that you have a general idea of who you want to talk to, and ideally a list of potential guests, maybe part of your episode guide that you're going to continue adding to over the life of your show, it's time to get in touch. The first and most important thing you need to remember that there is never any harm in asking. Dream big. I mean, sure, you're going to run into the occasional famous person's about page that says some variation of don't even bother breathing near me if you don't have 250 reviews on Apple. And I'm sure those people have their reasons, but you don't need to trouble yourself with or about them. I found that the vast majority of people are delighted to receive an invitation to a podcast, even a new or a small one, and even if they have to decline the invitation. It's always nice to be asked, and it's never rude or an imposition. If someone can't or doesn't want to, they can and will just say no. So when you've got your list of people that you want to invite to your show, you need to determine the best way to reach out to them. The easiest to contact, of course, are going to be anyone that you've met before. If you already have a connection, even if it's a brief meeting from the last conference you were both at, then you can just go ahead and send an email reminding them of when you met and asking them if they'd like to join you for a conversation. If you haven't met your ideal guest in person, try to find out if you have any mutual connections who could make an introduction for you. After already knowing someone, getting introduced is the easiest way to get you onto a guest radar and to get them to say yes. If you can't get a personal introduction, then the first place you should look for information about how to connect with them is their website to see if they have specific instructions for how they like to be reached out to. If those instructions exist, follow them. There might be a specific contact form or email address that they use for this kind of communication, and you don't want to create a bad first impression by kind of imposing on them in a way they don't want to be communicated with. If they tell you, do what they ask. But if that isn't there, then you still have some options. You can always use a contact form on someone's website. That's what they're there for. And if you're sending your invitation to a contact form, just keep in mind that they might not be the human responsible for answering email, and you might want to make note of that in your greeting. But I would call that optional. You can address a contact form email to the owner of the website. You don't have to say, hello, team of, you know, use your best judgment for that. Another little trick I have found is that some people keep an email address in their about pages, along with some instructions about who can reach out and why. So that's always worth a look. And some people finally are most active on social media, and you can really easily open up a conversation there in their direct messages if they're open. And if you're feeling a little brave and someone's DMs aren't open, then a message at them on social media through a comment or a reply to something they've said can start that conversation. 
hi, this is a great concept. I'd love to have you on my podcast is a nice opener and pretty low stakes. If they ignore it, they ignore it. If they ignore it, they ignore it. No harm, no foul. Similarly, you can also leave a comment on a blog post they've created or an episode of their own podcast if they have one. Basically, you want to kind of go down the list of the easiest to the most challenging ways to connect with someone to invite them to your podcast and always be mindful of if someone is providing information about how they like to be connected with. Try to follow that first if you don't have a pre-existing connection or someone who can make a personal introduction, which can supersede the on the website rules for communications. Now, you know how you're going to reach out. So what goes into an invitation email or a direct message that you're going to be sending to someone maybe that you don't know? You want to be short and to the point and just explain who you are and how they know you or how you found them, if that's appropriate, what your show is and who listens to it, why you want them specifically on the show and what to do next. That's all. You shouldn't have a whole lot more information than that in your initial email. So here's an example of how it might sound. Hi, I'm Megan Doherty and I host the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. I loved your recent article about how widgets can be used to enhance and extend the reach of your what's-its, and I think my audience would find it valuable as well. Would you be interested in joining me for a conversation about widgets and how you recommend people get the most out of them? If so, please let me know and I'll send over a booking link. Best, Megan Doherty. It's quick, simple, and to the point. If you have a connection in common or you've met before, make sure that you mention that at the outset. For example, I'm Megan Doherty and we met briefly at the last widget convention in Nevada. Or, I'm Megan Doherty, host of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show, where I talk to widget users about widget maintenance. I was chatting with my friend Luke Skywalker, and he mentioned you were an expert in widget manufacturing, so I'd love to invite you, and so on and so forth. Basically, you want to very quickly give your potential guest context for who you are, why they should connect with you, and how to move forward. If someone doesn't reply to your message within a few days, one follow-up is perfectly appropriate. But if they don't respond after that, it's probably best to assume that they're either too busy or not interested, and cut your losses, stop bugging them. We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the show. I think you'll find that many people are extremely interested in being interviewed, however. Often people call podcasting kind of the magic calendar opener. Someone that you've wanted to talk to for weeks, months, years even, but you've never been able to really connect with. If you send them a message that says, hi, will you be on my podcast? all of a sudden you're going to be on that calendar and you'll be able to build a relationship from there. So it really is kind of an elegant and organic, it's a very natural way to do this sort of networking. So now let's talk a little bit about being a good host because the steps that you take after someone says yes are really important ones. This is where you really take on the mantle of host and need to start acting like one. And that means making things clear, easy, and efficient for your guests. Most of us are familiar with calendar software now, and you should have a specific booking link for your podcast that collects more than just a name and an email address. There's information that you're going to need from your guest in order to properly introduce and promote them, and you want to collect this material in as few steps and with as little manual oversight as humanly possible. The best way to do this is within your calendar booking system. Many calendars allow you to request additional information at the time of booking, like bio, links, social media handles, logos, headshots, and any information that your guest wants to share with your audience. If your calendar has this functionality, use it. If it doesn't, but you can direct someone to a specific page after booking, you can point them to a form that collects all of the information you need instead of having it be part of the calendar itself. That would be your second best option. And to kind of level things up a little bit, if you use a project management system like Teamwork or Notion or Asana or a communication platform like Slack, you can often integrate your calendar booking form directly with it or through Zapier and put the information about the guest right where you and your team need it the most. 
Now, as you're configuring your calendar to be ready to invite guests and have them give you all the information that you need, it can be a really good idea to set it to also send a confirmation email with all of the details that your guests provided immediately after booking, along with the calendar link and invitations. The information also goes right to where your guest needs it to be. Of course, this is also going to include the meeting room link, whether you're in Riverside or Zoom or another recording platform. You want to make sure that your calendar system is sending that via a confirmation to your guest as well. I know I use Calendly for this, and it takes care of everything after the initial configuration. You also may want to include a few reminders, maybe the day or a few hours before the conversation. Everyone gets busy, and you want to make sure that your guest has adequate time to prepare for the call. A question many people ask at this stage is, should I send my guests a list of questions that I'll be asking or topics that we're going to be covering on the call? And this is up to you, but I personally like sending the topics and questions in advance. It gives both me and the guest time to reflect on what we want to share in the conversation. As the host, you want to be up to speed on your guest business, their offers, their community, and what else they're kind of doing on the internet to make sure that you are talking about something that you and your guests are both going to enjoy. And so you want to make sure that you're talking about things that your audience is going to be really invested in. And that means a little bit of preparation on your part. From the guest perspective, being prepared in advance for what the conversation is going to contain means they can also think about how to share ideas in the best way possible and polish, you know, their best, most interesting anecdotes. You don't want to sound robotic during a conversation, of course, or like you're reading a script while you're having that conversation. And you can always deviate from, you know, your list based on what your guest says or what you think of at the moment. But I find the preparation in advance really helpful and tends to result in better conversations. There are, of course, people who absolutely swear by going in without sharing questions in advance or even preparing many of their own. They think it leads to a more interesting and dynamic conversation with more raw, real responses. And this can work out perfectly fine a lot of the time. It depends on the type of show you have, your own experience as a host, and your guest's experience as a guest. And really importantly, setting expectations about what kind of conversation it's going to be so people know what they're getting into. Some people are perfectly happy to go in without any prep whatsoever, but others find that nerve-wracking and stressful. Remember that you are the host, and that means trying to make your guest as comfortable as possible and creating content that your audience is going to find valuable. And sometimes that means you need to prepare more in advance. Sometimes it doesn't. It's going to be up to you. Experimenting with both methods can be a really good learning experience. And as you develop your interviewing skills, you're probably going to find that one method suits you better than the other. Now, let's talk about prep calls, because in some cases, you're going to want to have them. It can be useful to have a pre-conversation, especially if you don't know someone in advance, to make sure that you're on the same page, maybe hash out topics that are going to be the best for all involved, and to make sure that everyone's technology is working as planned. This is an optional step, but for some podcasts, especially those where you curate the content that you share very, very carefully, or you're not sure if your guest recording setup is going to be appropriate, maybe they're not very experienced as a guest, it can be a good idea. And especially when, you know, maybe you have just been introduced to someone kind of randomly or you met at a conference, doing a pre-call just to make sure that you are picking up what the other is putting down, and that goes in both directions, can be a really valuable investment of 20 minutes of time. Now, after the conversation, hosting doesn't stop. Someone just gave of their time and their knowledge to help you and your audience. Send a thank you note. And critically, absolutely critically, tell them when the episode is live. I discussed the importance of post-interview follow-up on another episode of the Business Podcast Blueprint called Don't Leave Your Guests Guessing. We're going to link to that in the show notes of this episode or on the blog post if that's where you're reading this. Please give that a listen if you'd like to dig into the details of why follow-up is so important and to swipe our best templates for how to do it. Now, before we wrap up, let's just talk about something else that I've talked about on this show before. 
And I'm not going to belabor the point now, but a lot of people wonder, will my guest share their episode and how can I make my guest share their episode? The answer is maybe they will, but you should not expect it. You can make it easy and pleasant to do so if your guest chooses by sending links, copy, and graphics, and all of that good stuff to, for, to make it easy for them to share. But consider any sharing your guest does a bonus and not an obligation on their part. There are some podcasters that require their guests to share an episode that they appear on, and I tend to think this is overstepping. It makes it seem like you're only interested in the guest because they have an audience you want to access, and that's not a good relationship builder in my opinion. There are people who think differently, and you're going to have to decide what you think is the most appropriate for your own business and goals. But as a rule of thumb, or if you're wavering on it, I would err on the side of make it easy and pleasant to share, but don't require people to do it or expect them to. And that about covers finding and inviting guests. Choose people appropriate to your show blueprint. Use the most personal connection method that you can for your initial outreach. Make sure that outreach includes enough information for your guests to be able to make a decision about whether or not they want to be on the show and what their next step is going to be. Be a good host and don't sweat it if they can't share the episode. You've just started a new relationship and created amazing content for your community. That's the win right there. So for the question of the week, we are asking, should I transcribe my podcast episodes? And the answer is yes, you probably should for a couple of reasons. A transcribed version of your podcast, especially an edited one, is a great way to make your podcast accessible to more people. Not everyone is able to or prefers listening to audio, so making your podcast available in another format means that more people are going to be able to benefit from it and connect with you because of it. Secondly, audio is still mostly not searchable, although there are some interesting companies trying to change that, but text absolutely is searchable right now. And if you have a transcribed version of your content available on your website, those transcripts are more likely to help your show show up when people use the search terms relevant to your content. And finally, having transcripts is just handy for future reference. If you want to look up what someone said, what you talked about, or you know, remember resources that were mentioned in an episode, having everything transcribed can make that a lot easier to do for the aforementioned searchability reasons. It's perfectly fine to use an AI transcriber. We use Descript to create transcripts of a lot of our episodes. And if you want something that is going to be edited out of the box, you might want to use person, a human transcriber, like Rev.com is a really popular example, or there are people who specialize in podcast transcriptions. You can use them to get a completely edited and format version that's just ready to go. It depends on what your use case for the transcript is. If it is going to be like a real part of your content strategy on your blog, you'll probably want to have a human involved in reviewing the content and making sure that it all came out well. And if you just want to have them for reference later on, then an AI translator is going to be perfectly adequate for that purpose. Thank you for joining me today. As always, I'm your host, Megan Doherty, and this show is created by the whole team at One Stone Creative. If you're feeling a little pod curious and you want to explore if a podcast with or without guests is a good fit for your business, check out our free ebook, Will a Podcast Work for Your Business? You can find it at onestonecreative.net slash work. That's O-N-E stonecreative.net slash work. And we will be back next week with a fantastic another guest conversation.